If your job is on life support, you need the job doctor. My brain is a walking database of thousands of case studies on how careers rise and fall. I'll help you diagnose what's really going on. It's the guidance you need to get back on track from someone who's been there. You can make the money you always wanted to make, doing the type of work you have always wanted to do. You may just need a little help from the job doctor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of The Job Doctor. The Job Doctor is in today, and I thought that we would talk today a little bit, since it's Gay Pride Month, about issues related to the workforce and LGBTQ plus issues. So I have a really interesting one. Um, I have Ben on the line here, and Ben, would you mind giving us just a quick download on the situation that you find yourself in? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so uh, the long and short of it is I've been with my employer for nearly 17 years. Um, it's a very small office, family-oriented company celebrating their 100th year anniversary. I am not a family member of the family, shall we say. Uh, mm-hmm. And the long and short of it is is I've worked hand-in-glove with my boss for almost 17 years now. And I've seen this he votes on a very conservative side of the of the spectrum where I am not. He knows where I stand on politics uh, as a gay man myself. He knows he came to my wedding. Um, very, he knows what I'm involved in with a lot of things. What really broke my the straw that broke my camel's back was basically the whole. I think it was the Bud Light campaign or mm-hmm. the Budweiser Rainbow Pride thing a couple months ago. Yes. And the whole discussion just dissolved into the fact that I don't think you clearly see me as a person. And it, and it made me realize after, after talking with a couple other friends, they basically said flat out, um, yeah, I don't think he respects you as a person. If, if a person of, and, and this gentleman is hey, almost 60 years old, so he's not, a, not an ancient boomer sure. by any means, uh, but he has, He's got kids that are younger than myself and they're progressive. His wife is progressive. And the fact that he's decided to talk about a lot of these issues openly and not realize the correlation between the the rainbow flag represents all of us on the community, Mm -hmm. not just the trans community that seems to be the the latest Fox News or Fox News Mm -hmm. um, sensational burning headline. Uh, so it's gotten to the point where I realized, yeah, this has been death by a thousand cuts. I need to move on. I enjoy aspects of my industry, but I don't know if I want to stay in it anymore. And being there 17 years, I'm not sure what to do anymore. It's so interesting, Ben, because I'm hearing from a lot of my private sessions from people in the gay community. And what you're talking about is happening everywhere. And it's, and it's not just about this issue. That, that's what's so interesting. And I don't know that I'll be able to solve this entirely. I, I think I want it to be more of a conversation about what's happening and the choices that we have. It sounds like then you're to a point that you're uncomfortable enough with him being so vocal about his position that you're willing to leave companies, True. Yeah, that would be it. I, I just, I just don't feel like I can stay there anymore. Um, the and, and I've noticed, and it's in politics in general how the how the entire playing field is just complicated 
our work life balance. Mm-hmm. Well, not only that, just just our work ethic in general and our how we work together and how we even talk to each other. It's so and hard. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm not trying to sound like I'm talking a totally different language, but some days I feel like I am. And I'm not a I'm a concern I'm I'm a fairly centralist person because of just how I am. And mm-hmm. it's insanely hurtful and frustrating. And I did end up speaking with the owners of the company about it. They then spoke to him. He then apologized, but this was almost a nearly a month or so. He he knew I was upset about something, mm-hmm. but he didn't want to talk about it. And it's like, how do you not? Yeah, just the sheer ignorance of the situation was appalling. So I'm curious because a lot of people do have to make a decision. Do I leave my company over this? Do I bring it up? Is this the kiss of death? Is it going to change anything or do anything? Or do I even want to work with somebody that has viewpoints in such opposition to me? How did that conversation go with the leader? So you went above him. Tell me some of yes. the some of the dialogue well, that you used. So they were they were apologetic and understanding. Um, the irony is, I'm not the only gay person at the company in management. Mm-hmm. One of the other owners' son is. Interesting. So, yeah, very interesting. Well, the owners were very sympathetic, but as it translated down to your manager, mm-hmm. you knew that he was spoken to, but did he ever bring it up with you that he was spoken to? Not exactly, but he knew basically when when the one owner came and talked to him mm-hmm. at our office, because we've got different facilities. And he came over and talked to him about something. And it was a long conversation. And then he came back into the office space. And you could tell there was a conversation. Of course, yep. And it's like, well, um, I went to lunch. He went to lunch. Then I went to lunch. And then afterwards, when I came back from lunch, this we had a, a, closed, a closed door conversation. Um, our office walls are paper thin. Everybody can hear everything. He was apologetic. I, I've seen this routine before with other guys that he's with other employees that he's crossed a line with, shall we say, or their personal mm-hmm. lines. And it's it's after about two or three weeks, the habits go back, yeah. return. And and that's the state that I'm noting already. So this was about mm-hmm. three weeks ago and it's gone back. So. What what would be a win for you in this? Let's pretend for a minute that you stay instead of leave the company. What would make it tolerable for you? I mean, you can't change his opinion and you know what his opinion is, unfortunately, like loud Mm -hmm. and clear. But would him staying away from talking about this topic be enough for you to want to stay? At this point, probably not, because as I paid attention over the years, when you get in this mantra of a mindset of this is how you view the world, trying to not view the world like that is a lot of it's a lot of training that you have to change your mindset mm-hmm. entirely. And I don't think at his stage of his no, he professional won't change life, his mind. he won't change. He's his not going to change his no, mind. No more um, than you will change yours. Habits, let alone his work habits, mm-hmm. his work philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the frustration part. The frustrating part is as the saying goes, some old dogs won't learn a new trick and yeah, he I won't learn a new trick. And here's, Here's a viewpoint that I have on this, having seen it, you know, from the inside too, from an HR perspective. 
you, you don't teach an old dog new tricks. I think the best you can do when somebody gets vocal about a point of view that is not popular, and let's face it, that's about everything. We, we are on <laughs> such opposite ends in this world right now. I personally think that companies are going to have to stay away from all things politics. And that's in direct opposition with what I'm seeing happen. You've got uh, yeah. Blackstone, for instance, one of the biggest VCs out there, and they are not funding companies or limiting funding or bonuses based on companies being more outspoken around some issues like DEI. And, mm-hmm. and so it, it's really interesting how that's going to play out. Personally, I, I think that as you watch Disney and you watch Yes. Right. You watch the abortion issue and how that's played out in the workforce and how companies have um, responded to that. Some companies are giving, you know, five thousand dollars for their employees to travel to a state mm-hmm. where abortion is allowed. And um, other companies are just staying completely silent on it. I, I don't know. And there are some companies who won't even who won't even approve in their insurance plan. contraceptives. Right. Exactly. Um, and like. My company, prior to all the federal passing of uh, same-sex marriage acts at the federal level, uh, they were a self-funded insurance company. And they actually sent a letter out to all the employees because at the time the state had recognized same-sex marriages, but the federal level hadn't. And because they were self-funded, they would not recognize a same-sex marriage in my state Mm -hmm. until the federal level changed it. And I read last night, Target got a letter from, I think it was like 17 attorney generals who said, you need to put LGBTQ friendly merchandise back in your store um, or else that's a problem. You know, that's Mm -hmm. discrimination. And so when I look at like the tremendous pressure on both sides coming, coming at companies, my prediction is companies are going to want to stay so far away from making any statement at all, unless, and here's the key, key thing. If you need to attract employees, I always say you got to have a value proposition for the people you want to attract. You know, you want to hire yeah. women, yeah. right? You got to have a value mm-hmm. proposition for women. You want to hire LGBTQ community, then you got to have a value proposition for them. Mm-hmm. And in that mm-hmm. regard, what we might see is what's happening with states. I mean, it's almost like a civil war. You're, you're seeing states that are going to attract people because of their policies. And you're going to see other states that attract people because of their policies. And um, it, it actually yeah. is more, I think, more damaging that we kind of go off into our little groups than if we learned to get along. And that's sad. And you're totally 100% right. I have, I have major concerns for states, communities, cities that aren't like metropolitan cities, Mm -hmm. say a city that's in a suburb or um, maybe four hours away from a major metropolitan city Mm -hmm. that's trying to survive, they're going to have huge problems, especially with this, how there's all these, there's over, to be honest, there was over 350 some laws passed that were attacking the LGBTQ community across this country in state levels. Some states had anywhere from five to, to mm-hmm. 10 or 30. And the saddest part is the LGBTQ community will get shuffled around. Some folks will leave their cities. Some people mm-hmm. will leave their workforces. And some people will be able to do that. And, and My some, situation isn't possible. So, And some, yeah. com- some companies, what's going to end up happening is you're going to get like people working with like people 
which is yes. going backwards in time. You know, you're going to go yeah. feel where, you, where you're safe with your people, the people that think like mm-hmm. you. And that's really unfortunate to me. Yeah, it, used, it used to be like a lot of LGBTQ professionals could be comfortable in like a collegiate, mm-hmm. a governmental position, but that's not the case anymore because yeah. colleges are cutting funding. Private colleges are losing funding because mm-hmm. of the generational decline of uh, just the generational population shrinking in general, uh, that there will be a smaller graduating classes for the next 10, 10 to 12 years. Yeah. So, Well, one of the things that I think is really unfortunate is there was a, a newscaster that went on. I wish I knew her name, but she came on and she said, you know, I'm, I'm part of the LGBTQ community and the transgender issue has taken us back just decades. And she gave the statistics and I wish I had that, but it was an unreal number of people who two, three years ago accepted Mm -hmm. LGBTQ and really vocally accepted this. And now it's like 50%. Yeah. And now it's moved so far backwards because there's a, a big population that is not ready for, you know, the transgender movement. And so it's, it's unfortunate we're going backwards. Yeah. And and in all honesty, you're talking of of the transgender community. And this is not, this is just my, my opinion. This is not Mm -hmm. a professional number, but I'm sure there is a statistic out there. You're talking about um, a subset of a minority. Of a subset, a subset of a subset. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about maybe a half of a percentage of the entire LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to pivot back into your situation for a minute. Um, given that you don't feel comfortable working there, here's the thing that I'm worried about for you. If you leave, this is going to be in another company as well, right? There are going to be people with different opinions. Now it might show up differently. You might mm-hmm. feel more accepted in, in another company. My feeling is the best way to prevent, whether it's this or harassment of any kind and people are surprised by my opinion on this, is to actually talk to the person in a very honest way because I think it stops a lot of the behavior. I did an interview with Good Morning America when one of the Cuomo brothers was was in trouble for sexual harassment. And I think my opinion was a little surprising. You don't always, you know, you don't always go straight to HR. Often you can actually resolve it by having a very human conversation with somebody. So here's the conversation that I would want to have with my manager, if I'm you. I would want to use the magic phrases. Magic phrases is, is this what you intended? Um, Do you see it differently? Or is there something missing I don't understand? That's how you end kind of the conversation. But I think if I were in your boots, I would probably say, I want to talk to you about kind of the the elephant in the room, Mm -hmm. you know, this conversation that you had. When, when I hear you say, blah, X, you know, reference Fox News and what you're hearing, it actually is difficult for me because I believe in a different point of view. And it's actually really difficult for me to hear you because it feels like an attack on me, even though I doubt that's what you intended. And now, when you say it, I doubt that's what you intended, that gives the person the benefit of the doubt that they're not actively trying to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably then say something that the framework is what I expect, what I observed. Is that what you intended? 
what I would expect is that we're able to work together free from talking about political points of view, or especially those things that are really lightning rods, like the LGBTQ issue, where we're clearly on different pages on this. Um, the consequence of when you talk about it is it, it makes me feel attacked, even though you're not attacking me personally. It makes me feel unwelcome to be here, even though I doubt that's what you intend. I want to make sure that you know that that's the impact it has on me, because I would want to know if I were saying something that was impacting you and hurting you going the other direction. Do you see it differently? That kind of conversation, I think, can actually have a really rich ending and a really good way for you to come together. And that would be not understanding all of the dynamics. That would be my recommendation with most situations like this is to have the bravery to have that discussion. Because when you go to a boss's boss, it always blows up because they always have to come back down to the person you were talking to them about, and then they feel distrusted because you went above them. And so it always does create a weird dynamic that's more difficult to solve than if you just went directly to that person. And oftentimes when you have that hard, hard conversation, uh, you can create understanding in a world where, you know, it's pretty difficult to get along. You can at least create kind of some space for you. And I, I don't know, how do you think that would work in your situation? Well, I kind of referenced before we did have that little chat mm-hmm. um, where he was apologetic and we did try to reach a common middle ground, which the irony is the way that I see the current laws that are going on in so many states, as well as my state, mm-hmm. is that there definitely wants to be an attack on same-sex marriage. Yes. Um, my husband and I have been married nearly 10 years, mm-hmm. together 16 years. We own property, uh, joint property Um our lives are together. And we're like, what does this mean? We, we can't just pull up stakes mm-hmm. um, and just get out of town, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the kind of middle ground that we would, I'd like to say that we, we achieved was the irony is that his point of view is that the extreme liberals are coming to take his life savings away. Right. And I'm like, okay, but that doesn't, okay, okay, but that's not going to ever legally happen for you. (laughs) And and I think, you know, as I'm listening to you talk, you'll never, ever in a million years get on the same page about what the government's going to do or not do or how it impacts people, right? And that's why I think the conversation needs to be more about, you know, when I say what I expect, what I observe, it can't be about, you know, how the laws hurt me, help me what your point of view is, the real issue when you really drive it down is what I would expect is that you don't bring your person, you know, that we don't talk about politics or hurtful things or areas where there's these big differences and gaps that we'll never get on the same page on. And Mm -hmm. what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing is that you're bringing it into the workplace and referencing the news. It helps to have these exact examples. You're referencing Fox News. You're referencing your point of view. And the consequence of that is that it makes me feel distant. It makes me feel like I'm not in a place that feels safe or supportive. And I doubt that's what you intend. I, I just, I don't think you're trying to hurt me, but that's how it does hurt me. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yes. um, and yeah. so I think the best we can do in the workplace when that's happening is actually to ask somebody to create this expectation around not 
bringing up the point of view at work. I mean, that's the only way I can see to get past yeah, it. Because there are, there are some people who probably won't leave their workplaces for other reasons. Either they're approaching retirement or maybe they're, they've, they've got their kids in a school district. for and, equity. I mean, yes, there's a lot of reasons. Or they've got uh, commitments that just that don't allow them to leave their workplace or their community. Um, and that's where it's been a challenging for myself is mm-hmm. to be like, okay, where do I go now? Yeah, that's why I say you'll hit it again. You will hit it again in some way, shape, or form. And that's why I'm such a, my book just rails this, the unspoken truths for career success. The whole thing is wrapped around communication because I have this belief that it's what we're saying and the way we're saying it or what we're not saying that's screwing us up at work and why people aren't getting along. And I see a very big disintegration of communication in general in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And if it's worse than it was before, what happens is we, you know, it's the bye-bye generation. We would just as soon leave as address the issue. And so my point of view almost always comes back to give it a shot to have the right conversation with the magic questions that don't blame somebody for their intent, but bring up the issue and then decide if you need to bring it up again, you know, what's your tolerance for bringing it up again if it continues to happen And then uh, don't leave a company before you've at least tried to have those, I call them crucial conversations, because because just like politics, which we also don't like, you're going to see those differences of opinion show up. Our gap is wider than it ever has been, and it's not getting any, it's not, it's only going to widen. Folks don't want to come to a middle ground anymore. Yeah. And that's, that is frustrating for so many folks in my community. It's just. There's a middle ground here. We, we're all the same. We're all human. <laughs> yeah. So, so the best we can do is to, I think, say, I, I know your point of view is different. Why don't we stay away from that topic? I mean, that's in simple forms what we're saying. It's just we've got to stay mm-hmm. away from it because we are not going to get to a point where we agree. And yet there's all these other areas that I love you and I, and I like who you are and what you're about. We got to stay off this one. But I don't know, Danny, I don't think that I'm particularly useful for you on this. Like, I don't think I'm solving world hunger or anything. Um, simply sharing a point of view that that at least having a run at that conversation is the best way to maybe get to a place of peace before you decide to move, because I just think it's, it's going to be everywhere. Uh, yeah, and probably, and that's why I, other friends have mentioned the same thing. Well, did you talk about it? Yeah, we did. And like I said, I know how the how he works, how he operates. You spend seven, nearly seventeen mm-hmm. years with somebody. You learn a lot about a person uh, yeah. more than your spouse. Yeah, you and do. Uh, you just know their nuances. And so, I mean, I'll probably I'll look for your book and have to probably read that and see, like, well, maybe this has got some good ideas. And I do agree, one hundred percent communication. When there is the communication breakdown, it's just it makes things frustrating beyond Mm -hmm. measure. So it does. It does. But I will also just to summarize, say, I would bet, you know, in my experience, when I dissect conversations that people think they've had, there's a lot of halfway conversations happening where there's a lot of assumptions built in and we are not crystal clear. And the reason that I suggest what I expect, what's actually happening, the consequences, and then end with one of these magic questions the framework, there's two chapters on it in the book, 
the reason I say that is because it helps you get crystal clear about the gap. And when we can get crystal clear about what I thought was going to happen versus what is happening, and then leave that question open for somebody to say, is that what you intended? Or do you see it differently? I think it actually allows you to continue having a conversation that feels open and not so um, derogatory or like you're blaming somebody or, or pinning them in a corner. And because once a person feels pinned in the corner, you, you're done. You're not going to have a yeah. productive conversation. Totally. I, I hear you completely. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, in ending this episode, I would just say this is a complicated time and it's complicated for a lot of people. And I recognize that this issue is pretty ubiquitous. And my best advice to people is keep talking, assume good intent in the other, because that's the only way that you're going to have a chance to resolve it and have some peace in the workplace. And that is not the most optimistic point of view, but I think it's a realistic point of view. I, I could see that being real. Yeah, it is a realistic point of view. So yeah. yeah. Danny, is there anything that you would take away from today's episode that you think, you know, was a light bulb that went on for you or anything that you think will help you? Definitely the the conversation, the questions about like what I expect and such. Yeah, that's definitely a a deeper follow-up conversation that we'll probably be due to have one soon because mm-hmm. like I said there was a we, we did have a, a good conversation. Uh, well, it didn't start out good, but then it got better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's how he mm-hmm. operates. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, I did. I'll definitely take away the expectations because thinking back, I did not say all of my expectations. I had a good list of things mm-hmm. and I can definitely circle back to some of those to be like, okay. yeah, we should just not talk about politics in general. Yeah. <laughs> I, and that's a pretty common rule in places, but some, not when you have a small family business, that's kind of, that's right. Yeah. I think, I think just as important as saying what I expected is what's actually happening because that's where you're giving them the feedback on the behavior. And sometimes people can't make that connection until you say, when you mentioned this thing on Fox news, that's mm-hmm. an example. When you said yeah. this, when you did this, and then they can go, oh, okay, now I see where the gap is. But yeah. give it a try. See if it works for you. And I'm sure grateful you came on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for bringing up what's a hard topic. Thank you. Thank you. If you like my podcast, you will absolutely love my book. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success, Navigating Pay, Promotions, and Power at Work. I wrote it because I could see that people didn't understand why some people got ahead and some people's career stayed stagnant. So if you're interested in building a more frictionless career path for yourself and having a better experience with work, this is a book that you need to have. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success. You can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go to my website at thejobdoctor.com.